Welcome to this reading of the Poem of the Man-God. Thank you for joining me. The Poem of the Man-God is a private revelation of the life of Jesus of Nazareth as recorded by the visionary Maria Valtorta. Now out of print, this five-volume set of books is a narration of the life of Jesus beginning with the birth and childhood of the Virgin Mary through the public ministry of Jesus, his passion and resurrection, and closing with the Assumption into Heaven. The narration is interspersed with direct dictations from Jesus, messages for the whole world. These highly inspired visions were recorded by Maria Valtorta around the time of the Second World War, yet she did not consider herself the author. They were first published, without her name, shortly before her death, and only posthumously was her name added. My sole aim with this podcast is to share the poem of the man-god with the world. I hope you'll enjoy them as much as I have, and if you do, please share them. Thank you for listening. Poem of the Man-God, Book 2, Number 146 Goodbye to the People of Sychar Jesus says to the Samaritans of Sychar, Before leaving you, as I have other children to evangelize, I want to show you the shining paths of hope and set you on them, saying to you, You may go safely, as the goal is certain. Today I will not quote the great Ezekiel. I will quote Jeremiah's favorite disciple, a most great prophet. Baruch speaks for you. Oh, he really takes your souls and speaks on behalf of them all to the sublime God who is in heaven. Your souls. I do not mean only the souls of the Samaritans, but all your souls, O families of the chosen people who have fallen into manifold sins. And he takes also your souls, O Gentile peoples, who feel there is an unknown God among the many gods you worship, a God whom your souls perceive to be the only true God, and whom your dullness prevents you from seeking and knowing, as your souls would wish. At least a moral law was given to you, O Gentiles and idolaters, because you are men, and man has in himself an essence that comes from God, and its name is Spirit, which always speaks of and suggests nobility and urges to holy things in life. And you have compelled it to become the slave of your vicious flesh, infringing the human moral law that you had, thus becoming sinners, also from a human point of view, and you lowered the concept of your faith and yourselves to a level of brutality that makes you inferior to animals. And yet, listen, you all, listen. The deeper your knowledge of the moral supernatural law given to you by the true God, the more you will understand and consequently act accordingly. He prays, and this is the prayer that is to be said by your hearts, humiliated by a noble humility, which is not degradation or pulsanimity, but an exact knowledge of one's miserable conditions, as well as a holy desire to find means of improving them spiritually. Baruch thus prays, Look down, Lord, from your holy dwelling place. Take heed of us and listen. Look at us, Lord, and consider the dead down in Sheol whose breath has taken from their bodies are not the ones to give glory and do observance to the Lord. The person overcome with affliction who goes his way bowed down and frail with failing eyes and hungering soul, he is the one to give you glory, Lord, and do observance. And Baruch weeps 
humbly, and every just soul should weep with him, seeing and calling by their true names the misfortunes that have turned a strong people into a sad, divided, and subdued one. We did not listen to your voice, and so you carried out what you had promised through your servants, the prophets, and behold, the bones of our kings and of our ancestors have been dragged from their resting places and have been tossed out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night, and the people died in dreadful agony from famine, sword, and plague. And so, because of the wickedness of the house of Israel and the house of Judah, you have reduced this temple where your name was invoked to what it is today. O oh, children of the Father, do not say, Both our temple and yours have been rebuilt and are beautiful. No, a tree split by a thunderbolt from its top down to the roots will not survive. It may just vegetate in a miserable manner through an effort to live by means of the shoots coming from the roots, which are reluctant to die. But it will be barren brushwood. It will no longer be a healthy tree laden with wholesome sweet fruit. The ruin that started with the separation grows worse and worse, although the material structure does not appear to be damaged. On the contrary, it looks beautiful and new. It crushes down the consciences that live in it. And then the hour will come when every supernatural flame will be extinguished and the temple will be deprived of its very life. The temple, an altar of precious metal, which can subsist only if it is continuously smelted, by the warmth of its minister's faith and charity. An icy, dull, soiled, full of dead bodies, it will become putrefaction upon which foreign crows and the avalanche of divine punishment will rush to ruin it completely. Pray, children of Israel, weeping with me, your Savior. May my voice support yours and reach up to the throne of God as it is able to. Who prays with Christ, the Son of the Father, is heard by God, the Father of the Son. Let us say the old just prayer of Baruch. And now, Almighty Lord, God of Israel, every soul in anguish, every troubled heart cries to you. Listen and have pity, O Lord. You are a merciful God. Have mercy on us, for we have sinned in your sight. You sit enthroned forever, and shall we perish continually? Almighty Lord, God of Israel, Hear the prayer of the dead of Israel and of their sons who have sinned against you. They did not listen to the voice of the Lord their God, hence the disasters that have fallen us. Do not call to mind the misdeeds of our ancestors, but remember instead your power and your name, because we invoke your name and we turn from the wickedness of our ancestors. Have mercy on us. Pray thus and be truly converted by returning to true wisdom which is the wisdom of God. It can be found in the book of God's commandments and in the law that lasts forever, and that I, the Messiah of God, have now come to bring to the poor of the world in its simple, unchangeable form, announcing them the gospel of the time of redemption, of forgiveness, of love, of peace. Who believes in that word will reach eternal life. I leave you, citizens of Sychar, who have been good to the Messiah of God, I leave you with my peace. Stay a little longer. Come back again. No one will ever speak to us as you did. May you be blessed, good master. Bless my little one. Pray for me, since you are a saint. 
allow me to keep one of your fringes as a blessing. Remember Abel, and me, Timothy, and me, Jurai. I will remember you all. Peace be with you. They go with him for a few hundred yards out of town, and then they slowly go back. And the vision ends. Poem of the Man God, Book 2, Number 147, Instruction to the Apostles and the Miracle of the Woman at Sychar. Jesus is walking ahead of the apostles, alone, close to a hedge of prickly cactus, the leaves of which are shining in the sun and seem to be deriding all the other bare plants. One can see on them a few surviving fruits, which age has colored brick red, and an odd early flower, pleasantly bright in its yellow cinnabar hue. Behind him, the apostles are whispering to one another, and I get the impression that they are not really speaking in praise of the Master. All of a sudden, Jesus turns round and says, Keep watching the wind, and you will never sow. Stare at the clouds, and you will never reap. It is an old proverb, and I follow it, and you can see that where you are afraid of ill winds and did not want to stop, I found a fertile soil and the possibility of sowing. And notwithstanding your clouds, which, may I tell you, you ought not to display where mercy wants to show his sunshine, I am sure I have already harvested. However, no one asked you for a miracle. Their faith in you is very odd. And do you think, Thomas, that faith is evidenced only by requesting miracles? You are wrong. It is the very opposite. If a man wants a miracle to be able to believe, it means that without the tangible proof of the miracle, he would not believe. Who instead says, I believe, in somebody else's word, shows the greatest faith. So the Samaritans are better than we are? I am not saying that. But in their state of spiritual disability, they have shown a much greater capacity for understanding God than the believers in Palestine. You will find that very often in your lifetime, and I would ask you to remember this instance so that you will know how to behave with the souls who turn to the faith in Christ. But, Jesus, forgive me for telling you, I think that with all the hatred against you, it does you no good to give rise to new accusations if the members of the Sanhedrin knew that you have, you may very well say loved, because that is what I have done, and I do, James. And since since you are my cousin, you can understand that I can but love. I have shown to you that I always love also those who were against me amongst my kinsfolk and countrymen. And should I not love those people who respected me, although they did not know me? The members of the Sanhedrin can do all the harm they like, but it will not be the thought of such future evil that will stop the effusion of my omnipresent and omni-effective love. In any case, even if I did, I would not prevent the Sanhedrin from finding accusations in their hatred. But, Master, you are wasting your time in an idolatrous country while so many places in Israel are expecting you. You say that every hour is to be consecrated to the Lord. Are the hours spent here not lost? The day spent in gathering the lost sheep is not lost. It is not lost, Philip. It is said, a man multiplies offerings by keeping the law, but by having mercy he offers a sacrifice. It is said, 
Give the Most High as he has given to you, generously as your means can afford. I do that, my friend, and the time devoted to sacrifice is not wasted. I show mercy and I make use of the means I received by offering my work to God. Therefore, be calm. In any case, who wanted a request for a miracle to be convinced that the people in Sikar believe in me is now satisfied? That man is certainly following us for some reason. Let us stop. A man, in fact, is coming towards them. He seems to be bent under a large bundle that he is carrying on his shoulders. When he sees the group stop, he stops too. He wants to harm us. He stopped because he saw that we are noticed him. Oh, they are Samaritans. Are you sure, Peter? Of course I am. Well then, you all stay here. I will go and meet him. Never, my lord, if you go, I will come too. Come then. Jesus walks towards the man. Peter jogs along beside him, curious and hostile at the same time. When they are a few yards from the man, Jesus says, What do you want, man? Whom are you looking for? For you. Why did you not look for me when I was in town? I did not dare. If you had rejected me in the presence of everybody, I would have suffered too much and would have been ashamed. You could have called me as soon as I was alone with my disciples. I was hoping to reach you when you were alone, as Foton and I did. I also have a grave reason for being alone with you. What do you want? What are you carrying on your shoulders so heavily? My wife. A spirit has taken possession of her and has turned her into a dead body and a dull intelligence. I have to feed her, dress her, and carry her like a baby. It happened all of a sudden, without any disease. They call her the possessed woman. It causes me much pain, and work, and expenses. Look, the man lays on the ground his bundle containing an inert body enveloped in a mantle, as if it were a sack, and he uncovers the face of a woman who is still young, if she did not breathe, one would say that she was dead. Her eyes are closed. Her mouth is half open. Her face looks as if she had breathed her last. Jesus bends over the poor woman lying on the ground, looks at her, looks at the man. Do you think that I can? Why do you believe it? Because you are the Christ. But you have not seen anything that proves it. I heard your word. That is enough. Peter, do you hear him? What do you think I should do now, in the presence of such good faith? Well, Master, you... I... As you wish, after all. Peter is very embarrassed. Yes, I will do as I wish. Man, look. Jesus takes the woman by the hand and says, Go out of her. I want it. The woman, so far motionless, is shaken by a dreadful convulsion. At first she is silence. Then she shouts and groans and finally bursts into a loud cry, during which she opens her eyes wide as if she were awaking from a nightmare. She then calms down, and somewhat bewildered, she looks around, staring first at Jesus, the unknown man, smiling at her. She then looks at the dust on the road where she is lying. She gazes at a tuft of grass that has grown on the edge of the road and on which the tiny white-red heads of daisies seem pearls about to open out in a halo of rays. She looks at the cactus hedge, at the deep blue sky, and looking round she sees her husband, 
who, full of anxiety, is watching every movement of hers. She smiles, and now, fully free, she jumps to her feet and seeks refuge on the chest of her husband, who caresses and embraces her, weeping. What is it? How am I here? Why, who is that man? He is Jesus, the Messiah. You were ill, and he has cured you. Tell him that you love him. Oh, yes, thank you. But what was the matter with me? My children, Simon, I do not remember the past, but I remember I have some children. Jesus says, You need not remember the past. Always remember the present day and be good. Goodbye. Be good and God will be with you. And Jesus withdraws quickly, followed by the blessings of both of them. When he reaches the others who remained behind, close to the hedge, he does not speak to them, but he addresses Peter. So, you were sure that that man wanted to hurt me. What are you going to say now? Simon, Simon, how much you still lack to be perfect. How much you all lack. With the exception of their well-known idolatry, you have all the sins of those people and arrogance in judging over and above. Let us have our meal now. We cannot reach before night the place I wanted to. We shall sleep in some barn if we do not find anything better. The twelve, with a sense of reproach in their hearts, sit down without speaking and take their food. It is a peaceful day, and the sun shines on the country which slopes towards a plain in mild undulations. After their meal, they stop for a little while, until Jesus stands up and says, Simon and Andrew, come with me. I am going to see whether that house is a friendly one or not. And he goes away while the others stay and are silent, until James of Alphaeus says to Judas Iscariot, Is that woman coming here not the woman of Sychar? Well, yes, she is. I know her by her dress. I wonder what she wants. She will be wanting to go her way, replies Peter sulkily. No, she is looking in our direction, shielding her eyes with her hand. They watch her until she is near them and asks in a low voice, Where is your master? He has gone away. Why do you want him? I need him. He does not waste his time with women, replies Peter curtly. I know he doesn't with women, but I am the soul of a woman who needs him. Leave her alone, suggests Judas of Alphaeus, and he replies to Photonai, Wait, he will soon be back. The woman withdraws to a little corner where the road bends, and she remains still and silent, while no one pays attention to her. Jesus is soon back, and Peter says, Here is the master. Tell him what you want, and be quick. The woman does not even reply to him, but goes towards Jesus and kneels down at his feet. She is silent. Photonai, what do you want from me? Your help, my lord. I am so weak, and I do not want to sin any more. I have already told the man, but now that I am no longer a sinner, I know nothing. I do not know what is good. What shall I do? Please tell me. I am mud, but your feet tread on the road to go towards souls. Trample on my mud, but come to my soul with your advice. She is weeping. You cannot follow me, a lonely woman as you are, but if you really do not want to sin any more, and you want to learn how not to sin, then go back to your house with a repentant mind and wait. The day will come 
when amongst many more women who have also been redeemed, you will be able to be near your Redeemer and learn the science of goodness. Go, be not afraid. Persevere in your present will not to sin. Goodbye. The woman kisses the ground, stands up, retreats for a few yards, then goes away towards Sikar. And the vision ends.